I wasn't sure if this was really a part I should take. Black woman incarcerated. She's topless. I don't know. I don't know if this is a good mix. Welcome to No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis. Each week, we're talking to women playing at the top of their game. Founders, actors, athletes, chefs, comedians, musicians. Bottom line, these are women who win. So how are they doing it? We're taking you way beyond the bios, looking at their struggles, triumphs, risks, biggest mistakes, and some of the worst advice they've heard along the way. Whether you're looking for answers or you just want to hear a good story, you're in the right place. My guest today is a true storyteller. Before earning a Tony nomination for her Broadway debut in The Color Purple, before winning countless awards for her starring role in Netflix's Orange is the New Black, she was just growing up in South Carolina, competing in oratorical contests at her church and perfecting her public speaking. Her talents took her here, to New York City, to Juilliard at just 17 years old. If there is such a thing as having it, she's got it in spades. Danielle Brooks, welcome. Thanks for having me. So you grew up in South Carolina. Yes. Six years old, you started performing in the church. Yes. Take me from that as a kid growing up in South Carolina to Juilliard when you're in school <laughs> studying theater. Yeah. <laughs> just a few things happened in between. Oh, yeah. Just a few. Um, well, yes, I, I did start out singing and, and, and acting at church plays. Um, my first role, I played baby girl in a church play. Um, and from then on, my mother just found all of these really cool arts programs that were in Greenville, South Carolina. And it was a lot of fun because I got in trouble for talking a lot growing up. So <laughs> I think that was her way of like finding a great outlet for me <laughs> to not get in trouble in school. And so I did that. My mother um, found, I went to like a normal uh, middle school for a while. And then she found an academy called League Academy that was specialized in the arts. And that was the same thing for high school. She found, I went to a normal high school and then she found some arts high school that was um, very much like a college. Uh, it was private. And um, in my drama class, there were only 11 of us. And so we had to audition. And um, so it, it very much felt like a mini Juilliard. Um, but when I was in at the church, in the church, um, I sang on choir. I did usher board. Um, I, I had my hand in a lot of different things there. Like, we would also have these oratorical contests. So it would be like they would select a student from or um, a kid, student, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> they would select a child from each um, church. And we would get a topic um, like, why is God good? And you would have to write an essay on why God is good, and then you would... Um, speak that out, do an you know, oratorical contest, and you would go against other people. And you loved it. And it was great. I mean, to me, it was a great foundation. You know, they really taught me how to public speak, how to um, be, get in front of people and, and put my voice out there and um, how to form a sentence and <laughs> not be like, uh, 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 like I'm doing in this interview. Not but, at all. Um, no, but there's so much pressure to that. I always think about, you know, I grew up as a kid. I did a lot of acting and stuff like that as a kid, too. 
too. And you think about the pressure. I mean, I assume that kids who grow up in sports have the same thing. But there's a part of you that almost thrives off of it, that enjoys that pressure as a kid. I think I enjoyed the freedom that it gave me to just be myself. You know, growing up is so hard when it comes to being in school. Kids pick on you and all kind of things. Did you um, have that, that you growing up? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think I got picked on as much because I believe I was kind of timid and quiet when it came to, like, middle school. Um, and even high school, when I went to the regular middle school and high schools, um, I kind of found ways to, like, just kind of be by myself. Like, at lunchtime, it was so awkward because, like, I had friends, but... I still was so nervous to sit with them. I was so like, really? yeah, it was just very much like, do I fit in? You know, but when I was performing, I was thriving. There was a place where I knew I was good at something. And um, I knew that I was a storyteller. I knew that I could have people listen and say, wow, she's good. And so to me, I, I found my happy place when it came to theater and when it came to singing. And you took a trip to New York City your senior oh, yeah. year. Yeah. This was pro- to look at Juilliard, but also to see New York City. Yeah, it was actually in between my junior and senior year of high school. Uh, Bravo, the network was, um, they came to Greenville and they were looking for young kids to do this whole segment um, for their network about diversity. And so they were teaching us how to make like these little mini videos. So we got to like learn a lot about media. And um, so they came to this um, the town, and then they we had to apply um, if we wanted to go to New York. They were selecting like fifteen students from different cities and states to go to New York. So I applied, and I got it, and it was super cool at the time. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I get a free trip to New York! I feel like the coolest kid in the world." Amazing, and I get to take a parent. So I was fifteen, and me and my father went. And uh, that's when I was introduced to Broadway. It was was my first Broadway show that I ever saw was The Color Purple. And uh, that really, to me, was the moment that changed my perception. I was like, wow, I can do this for a living. Like, there's people that look like me on those stages. And they are incredible. That's what I want to do. I've never seen that. And um, so that's when I had applied to Juilliard and got in at 17 and the- how difficult was the process to get into Juilliard? What goes into that? Oh man! Well, thank God for this this high school I went to. It's called the Governor School for Arts and Humanities. A lot of people have come out of that school. It's very small, but um, they've had a great success rate. Um, because I, at, when I went to this high school, I didn't even know what a monologue was. I did not know. I was coming in with poems, you know, trying to make the monologues. I didn't know that you needed to know who wrote it and and the character's name. I didn't know those things. Do you remember so, any of the poems? If I put you on the spot right now, oh man. I was walking down the street the other day. It was Sunday to be exact because I just come from eating three pieces of greasy fried chicken and a biscuit. That's when I heard some singing come from that old little storefront church called Street and Cha! They was sounding good. So good I had to cross over so I could hear it better. That was just a bit. That's so Rob, I'm I'm we impressed. Did. I literally, guys, we didn't plan that. She didn't no, know I was going to. That was very impressive. Was yes. that an audition it poem that you po- used? It was an audition poem that I used. Um, it was a guy in my church 
Now, this is the funny part. What's his name? Steve Williams wrote. He It was a guy that wrote poems. He had a book. And I just was drawn to this poem. I, I didn't read all or recite all of it, but um, but that was one of them. And so I would just make these poems into stories. Like, I would bring them to life. You did. Uh, I can hear. No, but, <laughs> like, well, I don't know. I, I The way you used your voice in yeah. different ways, you're clearly taking people on a journey. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank God I took them on a journey that day and they accepted me into high school because for them that that became my foundation to another level of professionalism. So um, so they helped me. I I, Juilliard process was difficult. But for me, being so young, I think that was my saving grace because I never was really in my head about it Um, because to me, I had nothing to lose. Like that was the next step. You go to college and I just wanted to go to a college that was specific on what I love to do, you know what I mean? Versus just like, oh, I'm going to college for communication or science, which are cool, like that that's your thing, but I needed to find a place that worked for me. And so I, I didn't feel pressure, you know? And uh, so I think that was my saving grace, my youth. When you got there, was it a culture shock coming from South Carolina? <laughs> well, I thought I was grown. I thought I was grown. I was so ready to get out of the house. And being that when I was at this high school, we lived on campus. Mm. So I already felt this sense of maturity beyond my years, that which was so false because my first Thanksgiving, I remember I was like, I didn't go home for Thanksgiving because we were trying to choose between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so I went home for Christmas, but not Thanksgiving. And I remember going to Central Park, which was right across the street. And just bawling my eyes out, crying under a tree because I missed home. I was like so just um, missing being at home and family and grass and the breeze of, of fresh air. And um, so I quickly learned that I have this is a lot. This city is a lot. Um, but I, I feel like I navigated it pretty well. Yeah, I think things worked out just fine. <laughs> I think they did. When when so you you're in the program, which is very intense, and you start auditioning for different roles. Yeah. What was it like to go out on those first auditions outside of what you grew up with? Now that became the terrifying part. That that became the terrifying part because. I had spent my entire four years not auditioning. They didn't teach me how to audition. Well, technically they did, but (laughs) they taught me how to be a better actor. They gave me tools that I could take along the way. But when it came to audition, I haven't been doing it. So I'm sitting here like this now 21-year-old trying to figure out how to audition it. And I'm also going into these big casting agencies and auditioning for mothers and I'm like I don't have a kid you know like I I, I don't know what that's like to like so trying to figure out where I fit in and and really really at the time I was trying to figure out what box I needed to fit in and then I realized later on once I get my first major job that I create my box. I don't. I don't let others create that box for me. So um, that it was challenging coming out of school. I, I did not book um, a job for about a little. I want to say 
a little less than a year um, before I had gotten my first job. I had done some McDonald's voiceovers, um, which was cool. <laughs> um, but my first job, I did a servant of two masters in D.C. And um, only reason I got that job was because the person that they had in that role had just booked a Broadway show and I could fit her costume. And no, uh, yeah, that was it. That was it. And and I auditioned for that. And it was also because um, Chris Bays, who's directing that, was also one of the teachers at Juilliard. He taught us clown class. So he knew what I was capable of doing. But if she didn't book this Broadway show, I wouldn't have had a job. So um, that was the beginning. And, and we were supposed to go tour um, to next the Guthrie Theater. In Minnesota, yeah, which yeah. is where I grew up. I grew up oh. a few blocks away from the Guthrie Theater. Oh, my gosh. So you know about some cold. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> and some good theater. They have a great theater. They have a, an incredible theater scene yeah. in Minnesota. I was so looking forward to going. And then um, got had different plans, and I ended up booking Orange is the New Black, uh, which I thought was going to be just a two-episode arc. Um, which turned into now, here we are, five seasons in, two more to go that we are solid about um, or sure about. And so... Um, How yeah. unbelievable was that moment? This is, I, I, don't, I can't call it TV because it's Netflix, but, right. but um, you know, that had to be a phone call home to the family saying, you're not going to believe this. Well, I was making a different phone call to the family because I wasn't sure if this was really a part I should take because the my character, the first thing that it says is that um, she's topless. And I was like, so I'm incarcerated, mm, black woman incarcerated. She's topless. I don't know. I don't know if this is a good mix. And so and your, um, your parents minister in a deacon. Yes, yes. So yes. what was that conversation like? What did you well, say? My mother was like, no, you shouldn't do this. <laughs> she just was like, she didn't know what this was about to be. And my dad was like, well, you should follow your heart. I don't want to tell you not to do something. And so I listened to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> but you okay so I'm just I'm watching you talk here you there had to be some nervousness I would be very nervous about that I was nervous about it I think I was nervous because I was also letting go I had to let go of a servant of two masters I wasn't going to be able to do both and you felt like maybe you're gonna upset people because of that upset people but more than that I was nervous of taking because at the time People forget. Nobody knew what Netflix was or where they were going. And so I'm like, I'm about to step into this part that's maybe two episodes. And like, I just don't know if this is a good career move. I, I remember calling the head of Juilliard, Kathy Hood, and calling um, some casting directors that I had become close with and just saying, is this the right move for me? And they were like, yes, girl, take the job. Like, stop tripping. And so <laughs> I did. And I'm so glad I did because if I didn't, I would be sitting at home. I probably would be choosing a different career because I would be so upset looking at some other girl out here living this dream that I knew I could have had. But being truthful, everything happens for a reason. So even if someone else did step into that part, that story could go a whole different direction. But um, I'm just uh, I, I, the reason I took it was because I spoke with them, but also because at the time I was very um, thank God. When I look back, I just realized how smart I was about a lot of stuff. Two of the writers on the show were from Juilliard. And so I felt in good hands. I was like, okay, 
I know them. They're not going to have me do anything too crazy. <laughs> you know, I won't be playing a stereotype. I'll, so I felt safe. Have you watched the show now since then with your parents? Oh, with them? No, I haven't watched it with them. They watch. They're it, not though. in the room with you when when you watch it. No, because most of the time I I get a little sneak peek ahead of time, you know, just to know what we did when we had to do press and stuff. So I don't really watch it with them, but um, they're proud though, and I'm glad my mother can now come around to watching it. I think it took her a minute, but. When did when was that minute? How how many episodes did it take for her to say, "Okay, I think you made the right call here." <laughs> Jokingly and kind of seriously, I think it was once we won our first SAG award <laughs> <laughs> because she was there with me. I got to take her to the SAG awards, and she got to see her baby girl go on that stage and get an award with my castmates. And I think that was the moment she was like, whoa, they really are making a difference here. Like, they, this show is a big deal. Maybe I need to wake up. And she did. She definitely came around. What a moment that must have been for you on that stage. Oh, yeah. It was and now so many others. You have awards yeah. after award after award. What along the way would you say is the hardest lesson you've had to learn? I think I've learned a lot of lessons on this this road. Um, I think right now the biggest one I've learned is getting rid of this this self-doubt thing. Just really feeling like you're not capable. And um, that's got to go. Like that is, they say fear is the thing that will trip you up the most. But doubt is right along sleeping in that bed with fear that will knock you out. And so um, those things I'm really trying to get rid of and just step boldly into all of the opportunities that I've been given and not to feel like I'm not worthy of them. So because sometimes I feel that way. You know, when things happen so quickly, you're like, whoa, 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 wait. Like, let's slow this this train down. But no, sometimes the train needs to move for you to grow and to learn. And because you're ready. And I think sometimes I forget because I am young. I think sometimes I forget. I did sacrifice a lot. And it might not look like that to the average eye because there's so many actors out here struggling that I, you know, hey, I support you and and I know what that is. But I think sometimes people look at my career and they're like, girl, you made it overnight. And that's not the case. There were a lot of sacrifices going to these high schools, you know, not getting to um, go to the football games and not getting a normal prom and and um, and just going to college and not going to an HBCU and pledging and and doing all those fun things that you do in college. Instead, I'm sitting, you know, waking up at seven eight in the morning going to class and not going to sleep until one because I have to write a paper or to memorize something and doing that over and over and over again for four years like there was a lot of sacrifices made and so I think sometimes I forget that when I get just all of these bombarded with all of these blessings but then I realize you reap what you sow and I am sowing these seeds and the, they're just blossoming, and I'm just learning to accept them. When when you are confronted with that doubt, how do you get beyond it? Um, I keep going. I li- literally have to, um, tr- like, 
force myself to do those things. That you just shut down whatever's happening you, in your you head. You have to. You have to say I'm doing it anyway. Like, I, like I was talking to someone the other day, and um, they reminded me because I had read Shonda Rhimes' book Year of Yes. I don't know if you read Great it. Great book. So good. Um, and she talks about doing those things that you fear. You have to push forward through those. And that's what this year has been for me. All of these things that I've wanted to do, I'm doing because I'm saying I can and I will and I am. And because of that, once you get past it, you're like, dang, that was fun. I'm glad I did do that. I did sing for Cicely Tyson this year. You know, like, I got to sing for her, to honor her. You know what I mean? That was something I would, if you would have asked me to do that two years ago, would have never done it. You know what I mean? Yes. I was on a Broadway stage and performed for Oprah. You know what I mean? Like, you would have asked me to do it two years ago. I would have said yes, but I would have been like, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know? I, I one thing about your story that I love is the idea of coming full circle. The fact that less than a decade ago, you're going to the color purple with your dad as a young kid on your first trip to New York City. It blows my mind. Now you're performing. It, it blows my mind. And that's why why I'm so adamant. And I tell young people, old people, I don't care, whoever wants to listen, that you got to let God lead the path. You, you Like so many times we want to control stuff. We want to say, why didn't I get that? I should have gotten that. But you never know what story is being written for your life. And you have to let it just happen. I can't tell you how many jobs, Broadway jobs I wanted so badly and cried my eyes out being like, like why couldn't I? I know I was right for that part. I know I was made for this. I know I could have worked for it. And I'm so glad that I, you know, the God wrote the story he wrote for me because to be able to say that it is full circle, to be able to say that this was the first Broadway show that I saw and to now be in it and to be Tony nominated and all these things that I never thought were could have been a part of that story are have come to fruition because they, that's the way it was meant to be. And if I was jumped into, say, that other Broadway show that I really, really wanted, and then it got canceled a month later, I would have been like, man, it's my fault, you know, because I wasn't good enough or whatever, you know. So that's the biggest thing. I'm The path I'm on now is just surrendering to that thing that's like, if it wasn't for me, it's not for me. And that's cool. Like, it's the, the story isn't finished you know I, I do know when yeah. you don't get the thing yeah. when you're dealing with that feeling of rejection how do you deal with that I give myself a moment I think it is okay to give yourself a moment of saying yep that happened <laughs> or it didn't happen <laughs> and it's not fair and, and I'm really fair, upset and about sucks, it and I want to punch a wall and because everybody out and to have that moment, you know what I mean? But I feel like it's so important, whether you find it within yourself or just having people around you that can remind you, hey, okay, it's time to snap out. Yeah. Like, come on, let's, right. let's get back in the game. I think it's important because I do think we do have to allow ourselves moments to go through that, you know, because that adds to the story, too, you know, to be able to say everything didn't come easy. You know what I mean? People can relate to that as well. I'm sure you get a ton of advice 
I'm sure you've gotten some really good advice, but some probably terrible advice mm. along the way. What's if you can think of it? What is the worst advice mm. you've received along the way? One of the worst advices I remember receiving is I had a director, a guest director, come into Juilliard, and I love this person very deeply, but they were wrong. I because I came into Juilliard so young, um, I it was. Oh, it was challenging the first few years because, you know, I don't know if you know, but at Julia, I was 17, the oldest in my class. Of the, the class was only made up of 18 of us. The oldest in my class was 31. Totally different mindset okay. at that point. You've experienced completely different yes. things in your life. It's, I'm not it's, even 20. I'm not even 30 yeah, right now. Night so and day. I haven't even. Yeah. Like, I'm not even, <laughs> so this this guest artist told me that I should leave Juilliard. She said, you should leave Juilliard and take some time to live life and go to Africa or something and just, like, take time away and get some life experience. And I am so glad I did not listen to her because I feel like you can get, you are living your life. So you are getting life experience. You know what I mean? Like the struggles that I was going through at Juilliard are a part of my life experience. I don't have to go take time away to to get life experience. I don't have to go sleeping with a whole bunch of men to get life experience. <laughs> that might not be a good example, but you know what I mean? Like I don't have to go searching for something that's going to awaken my life. Like your life is happening, I'm happening right now, right? So I think that was the 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 worst advice I probably ever got and I'm glad I didn't listen. That I think that's very valid for a lot of people out there who probably are getting told in various places you're too young. Yeah. You need some other experience and here you are. Yeah. Living it every single day. Every day. What's the best advice you've received? The best advice it's so cheesy, but it's just good advice. I mean, that you're enough, you know, really knowing that you are enough. Um, because I feel like that's the thing that we're constantly having to remind ourselves of. Um, when we are hit with with the things that life brings us, especially as an artist, especially as an actress, um, to be reminded that because we do in this business and I'm sure in your career path too there's so many rejections that we receive um, you know so just knowing that I don't have to change myself for anyone and I just hope that the way that in, the way in which I live my life people will also apply that to themselves Thanks so much for listening to another episode of No Limits. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe, rate us, tell your friends. And if there's someone you think we should have on the show, let me know. You can tweet me at Rebecca Jarvis. And of course, you can follow along with us behind the scenes on Facebook, Instagram and Snapchat. And special thanks to the team here at ABC that helps make this happen. It is a big one. Taylor Dunn, Josh Cohan, Andrew Kelb, Michelle Boncardo, Steve Jones, Erica Scott, and Elizabeth Hecht. And join me next Tuesday for an all-new episode of No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis. Until then, take care, be well. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. 
We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.